We've got Matt Walter who is joining us. We're so glad to have him with us this morning. I'm so I'm so looking forward to this conversation because Kate, I was off uh, the last time yes. he was on the show. Mm-hmm. And I didn't get a chance to meet Matt, and I'm kind of bummed out about it. And I'm like, oh, we have to have him back. He's with Tampa Muslim Outreach, and those of the Muslim faith, they're coming to Jesus, you know, by the thousands all across the face of the planet. But it's exciting to see what God is up to right here in our own backyard. And so for some wonderful stories, God's stories Mm -hmm. of what is going on, Matt is uh, with us here this morning. Hi, Matt. Happy Groundhog Day to you. How you doing? Hey, I'm doing great. How are you, Kurt and Kate? It's great to talk to you. You too. Great to connect with you, my friend. Give us a little backstory on this. Uh, uh, Tampa Muslim Outreach, how long have you been around? How did it all start? My background includes 15 years in the Middle East. When I was a kid, we lived for five years in Iran. Actually, my family got saved in Iran through the ministry of some missionaries. And then my next exposure to the Middle East was at age 18. I went and studied Arabic in Jordan, ended up majoring in Arabic and Near Eastern languages at Yale University, was in the Marine Corps as an intelligence officer, served in Desert Shield, Desert Storm. Hmm. And I just knew that the Lord was calling me and my new wife. We got married toward the end of my time in the Marine Corps to work among Muslims. So we started by going to Jordan on a short-term missions trip, came back to seminary, went back for eight years, were missionaries in Jordan. I ran a language school that trained missionaries in the Arabic language. We then came back in 2007. Uh, I was serving in a church in Ocala, and we noticed the growing Muslim population in the Tampa Bay area. And we just knew that God was calling us to this area to establish an organization with the mission of TMO, which is to equip the body of Christ to confidently share the gospel with the Muslims of the Tampa Bay area. Wow. So as the Lord, boy, I love to connect the dots on this. Um, My guess is you probably are like the rest of us. You just never really, you look back and you're like, man, I didn't really expect to be where I am today. Lord, thank you. But I never would have planned it this way. What do you think? Oh, it's so true. Yes. I I didn't know how to envision my life, but when I was in Jordan, I thought I'd be there for the rest of my life. When I was in the Marine Corps, I thought that would be a possible career to pursue for the rest of my life. But it's really true. God ordains our steps, and He knows what He's doing. Mm. Um, I kind of joked when I was majoring in Near Eastern Languages and Literature as a college that I would never use my major and now I use it every day. <laughs> oh, <laughs> good. That is so wonderful. You know, what, what do you think, uh, Matt, about, and maybe you have some stories right here from our area, uh, but we see these stories that filter out through the, uh, uh, the news from time to time. I'm primarily thinking about Christian news uh, sources about those folks of the Muslim faith who are having dreams where Jesus is coming to them and he's giving them, you know, pointing them to himself, etc. Are you hearing these stories and what do you think about these reports? Yes, Kurt, I am hearing these stories and we're seeing it here in the Tampa Bay area. In fact, I was leading a Bible study at a church locally and uh, it was for students of the English language and several of them were Muslims. And a woman came in toward the middle of the study. Uh, she was wearing what's called the hijab. That's the cloth that Muslim women wear on their heads. 
so I knew she was a Muslim. She came in and sat, and we were reading the end of the Gospel of Luke, and she perked up when Jesus said, when it was talking about forgiveness of sin. And uh, afterwards, she came up to me and a pastor and said, when I was a child in Bahrain, I had a dream. And in the dream, I saw a man wearing white, and I was in heaven, and I felt this great peace. And this man told me, if you believe in me, you can have this peace forever. And she said, I woke up and I didn't know who it was. I've been spending my life looking for that man. <sighs> Could it be this Jesus? Well, wow. And she ended up accepting Christ and being baptized and experiencing that peace. And so, yeah, the, we see that we see that happening again and again. For some reason, God, in His sovereign wisdom, speaks to people of the Middle East through dreams and visions. But another thing He uses in the American context, and this is why our mission is as it is, He uses Christian friends. And um, so, uh, in the con conversions in the United States, about seventy percent actually report that there was a dream or a vision involved. Wow. But 100% report that a Christian befriended them, shared with them, and then walked them through the very difficult process of turning from everything they've known, including family, and turning to Christ for salvation. Okay, so this, wow. is, this is huge. I mean, this is a major step. It is not easy. And they are counting the cost. Let's talk about, before we get to uh, some of the calls that we have here, you, you alluded to this uh, a few minutes ago, and I, I just don't want to escape past it because it's so significant. When one of these folks comes to the Lord, they are coming out of a culture. They are paying a price for mm -hmm. receiving Jesus as their Lord and Savior, Many times they are ostracized by their friends and family. This is no small matter. You're so right, uh, Kurt. The, uh, <clears throat> the Muslim who hears a Christian sharing Christ to them um, is going, the thought process they're going through is different than what we might expect. When we share Christ with someone, we think to ourselves, boy, I'm offering this wonderful relationship with God, freedom from sin, forgiveness, a new community of faith, and so forth. But what they hear is, this person wants me to lose everything that is dear to me. Mm -hmm. In Islam, they are taught, if a person changes his religion, this is a quote of Muhammad in what's called the Hadith, which is a collection of his sayings and deeds that Muslims adhere to very closely. And in that Hadith, there's a Hadith where he is asked, what should we do about someone who changes their religion? And Muhammad's answer is, if a person changes his religion, kill him. So Muslims believe that the proper response to someone leaving Islam is that they should die. Mm. Now, do they don't they don't exercise that in the United States very often, but the threat is there. And before that, they take that drastic step. The person will certainly face losing much that is dear to them, and especially important to Muslims are their parents, and they will they will dishonor their parents. So, yes, it's a big price. They need to know that Jesus is worth it. And they need to know also that there are people who will be there for them when they make that leap. And so that's up to the churches to, to be that new family, that new group of people to support them after they turn to Christ.
Mm-hmm. Boy, that's so wow. very important. That's sobering. It really is. Let's go to the phones. Uh, Ilivan from Davenport is with us. Uh, good morning, my friend. What's your question or comment? Good morning, guys. God bless. First time caller. Yay. Um, <laughs> um, for Matt, um, how, how have you been able to, not obviously through Christ, you know, he protects us and everything, but um, how has the backlash from that same Muslim community been, you know, obviously you're, you're, you're taking souls back for Christ. Obviously, you know, the enemy doesn't like that. And like you said, you know, just them coming out of that religion, you know, and, and, and having that relationship with Christ now, it's obviously going to, you know, it's going to upset other people. I mean, it upset the Pharisees and, and Sadducees and, and, and that time when Christ was just preaching the truth. Um, so how, how has that been for you, for your family, just, you know, for you know that whole ordeal, having to deal with that backlash, if you have gotten any? From, you know, from the Muslim community. Thank you, brother. That's a great question. Have I suffered any backlash or danger because of our witness to the Muslim community? My answer would be this. I am very grateful that we live in a country where there is freedom and there is the rule of law. And both of those factors really have mitigated the danger to people sharing their faith. I have never felt to be in personal danger. Maybe once or twice I have not accepted an invitation to go somewhere or to do something because I didn't have a good feeling about it. But other than that, there really is no danger. Christians do not need to be afraid in our current context that, that they will be in danger if they're bold about Jesus. On the contrary, what, <clears throat> what they'll be surprised by is that Muslims actually respect you more if they find out that you have a real faith in the true God who created the heavens and the earth. So when they hear you witnessing to them, their respect for you will actually go up. That differentiates you from what they view as a very wicked culture and a very secularized culture that they uh, don't have any regard for at all. So you will actually receive a certain amount of respect. Now, um, as an organization, I think we've seen a little bit of pushback early on. <clears throat> they showed our website on the mosque wall, one of the largest mosques in the Tampa Bay area, showed the website on the wall and warned everyone against us. Hmm. Well, uh, nothing bad happened to us except we got a lot more web traffic, so I was happy about that. Yeah, mm, yeah. that's very interesting. Let's go to Tom in Bradenton. Hi, Tom. How are you? Hi. Thanks for taking my call. You yeah. betcha. What do you want to share with us? Sure. Okay, I work with a Muslim, uh, and uh, he's very committed, uh, but I want to do my due diligence uh, in witnessing to him as far as uh, what's the best material I can resource in order to uh, witness to him effectively, number one. And number two, are there any churches or organizations in Bradenton that can assist me in that regard? Well, great questions, Tom. Great to hear from you, and praise God that you have a vision to reach a Muslim that God has put into your life for Christ. That's that's super. So just um, a, a couple of tips. Number one, the Muslims believe that at the Day of Judgment, there will be a literal scale. And on one side of the scale will be put their good deeds, and on the other side of the scale will be put their bad deeds, and whichever ends up tipping the scale will determine whether they go to heaven or to hell. 
Now, for Muslims, that's a terrifying prospect. And, and they have a saying in Arabic, it's Allahu Alam, meaning only God knows where you're going to end up. So the, the central message you can share with your friend is that you have assurance of where you're going, not because you've tipped the scales yourself, but because God sent a Savior to pay for our sins, to tip the scale for us. We're going to heaven. We don't deserve it, but God loves us and wants us to have that assurance. That single message is a powerful one for your friend and will make your friend curious. As far as materials that you can use with them, the best material is the Bible. Uh, Studies have shown that Muslims are coming to Christ in the United States through three main factors, a friend, opening the Bible, and visiting a church. Those top three factors, we would add, in our experience here in the Tampa Bay area, we would add prayer and sharing the good news multiple times. So those, all those factors, you can bring those factors together. It's very simple. Just share the Bible stories that God puts on your heart. Open the Bible. Give your friend a Bible. And then as far as an organization to help you, we would love to help you, even in Bradenton. We're not limited to the Tampa Bay area. And um, you can go to our website. You can take online training on our website. It's free. Uh, you can also sign up for one of our scheduled trainings as they occasionally occur. And you can also sign up on our Connect page to receive a monthly text asking how we can pray for you. And we've noticed a powerful result from people being on that list um, and seeing results in the lives of their Muslim friends. So those are ways that we can, we can serve you, well, if it would suit. Tom, thank you so much for your heart, for your friend. That is awesome. Mm-hmm. Let's go to Lamine next in Tampa. Hi, Lamine. How are you? Hi, good morning. Good morning. Great to have you with us. I just wanted to share about um, just my life. I, I grew up in New York City. Um, my dad is a Muslim from West Africa, from Senegal. And uh, my mother, she has since passed, but uh, the last nine years of her life, she was a Christian. She was a disciple. And, um, you know, getting married, uh, she told us at one point, she said, you know, if I could do it over again, I wouldn't have married your dad. And as a kid, I didn't understand it. But uh, knowing the uh, the scriptures about just being equally yoked, uh, and when I became a disciple, I, I got where she was coming from. So her faithfulness um, in the last nine years of her life kind of turned me from, you know, as a young boy, always wanted to be like my dad. And even though we never really practiced Islam culturally, loving a lot of the tenets of Islam, um, it turned me to say, you know what, let me give this Bible a try. And the Bible that she had bought me at 18, uh, that sat there and collected dust for some time, I finally opened up at like 21. And um, I started reading and, you know, God started working on my heart. And um, I met somebody who, you know, introduced me to somebody else. I did a Bible study at a church in New York and eventually, uh, you know, got baptized in 2014, and so one of the hardest things was just counting the cost of the relationship with my dad. And, uh, you know, we lived in the same house and all my life, but there were moments as a disciple where the extent of our conversation was good morning and good night, and then we would see each other, wow. but he just was super displeased with what I had chosen to do with my life. And this is someone who, you know, taught me how to ride a bike, you know, we shared memories of sports with. So it wasn't somebody who was foreign to me. And all of a sudden they kind of disappeared. And I'll tell wow. you what, 
I moved to Tampa three years ago, and I remember um, him, you know, still trying his best with the conditional love that he had, him wanting to pray for me in Arabic for mm-hmm. my, like, safe path. And I told him, like, respectfully, like, that, I can't do that. I'm a Christian. So I went down, and um, I remember trying to call him in the months that I was settling in Tampa, and no answer. You know, he hadn't changed his phone number. He just was so displeased with that act that I had done. And I thought, I, you know, if I get married, because at the time my girlfriend was here and everything, and or my girlfriend was going to come down, I said, uh, how is this going to work? Like, is he ever going to be at the wedding? Is it going to be a part of my kids' lives? And... You know, God is is, is, is faithful and, and is powerful because our relationship now, just over time, has kind of thawed out. And, you know, he came to the wedding. My wife, thank God, is pregnant now. It's like, wow. Involved. So encouraging to to see how God just makes things come around where someone who I thought I'd lost is, is now back in my life. And so I, I pray for him that one day he'll become a Christian. But I really appreciate the work that you're doing because it has a special... Uh, uh, I have a special burden for it, so thank oh, you. Man. Amen. Wow. Thank you so much that's for sharing beautiful. that with us this morning. <laughs> Matt, that's something else, isn't it? It is something else. What a beautiful story. Really, thank you, Levine, for sharing that with us and with the, with the listeners. And it's just another testimony of God's powerful grace. Um, when Muslims come to Christ, they face an immediate decision. Do I let people know or not? Should I go secret or should I go out in the open? And In my experience, the Muslims who choose to keep it a secret become very unhappy and very paranoid, and and their life seems dominated by fear. But like Levine, he let it out. He he let his dad know, and um, he paid a price for it. But God had a plan, and I would just encourage, if there are any Muslims listening who are considering uh, laying it all down for Jesus, I just want to say it is worth it. And when you do, God will work in your life. He will make a way where there seems it seems impossible that there could be a way. Just like Levine, where now the door is open and his relationship with his dad has, in his own words, it's thought out. That love is mm-hmm. returning. God will make a way. He is faithful. He will not leave you. And it is precious in his sight when you lay it all down for him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's Maybe beautiful. you tuned you, in Levine. this morning. You tuned in, you're like, why am I listening to a Christian station? You identify as a Muslim. This is how much the Lord loves you and wants you to come to Him. He arranged you to be listening at just the right time. You know what? You might be listening here this morning, and you hear us talking about the gospel and assurance of knowing where we're going when we die. And you don't have that assurance. You don't know where you would go if you died today. The truth is, none of us are guaranteed another moment. And so I just want to pause here for just a moment and share the good news of Jesus with you, as opposed to talking about the gospel and talking around it. What is the gospel? Well, here's the deal. Started in the Garden of Eden. With the fall of man, we are all sinners from Adam and Eve on down the line to us. It's not the way it was intended, but the Lord used it, and in the garden he promised that he would rescue us. 
All through the Old Testament, you see the foreshadowing of the coming Savior, the Messiah, the prophecy of where he would be born, what he would do. It's amazing. Isaiah 53 talks about the suffering servant who would die for the iniquities of us all. Psalm 22 talks about the fact that he would be crucified when crucifixion wasn't even put into play as a method of execution all those years before. You see the prophecy? Jesus is in the Bible from Genesis to Revelation, the Old Testament sacrifices. There is no forgiveness of sin without the shedding of blood, teaching us how serious sin is. That's what that was all about, foreshadowing the Lamb of God being sacrificed once for all, no need for any more animal sacrifices, none of that stuff. The power of the blood of Jesus is what we need once for all. That's why he came. That's why he came. The Son of God, born of a virgin, never sinned, not even once. Only he could be our Savior. And when he was placed on the cross, it was God's mercy and his justice and his wrath meeting in that place. How can God forgive us as sinners? The only way we can stand in his presence is to be sinless. How can he reconcile us when we have all sinned so much? How can he forgive us without somehow ignoring his justice and his holiness? You see the answer is Jesus. He gave us his son so that we could place our faith in his righteousness And the fact that he died for us, absorbing the justice of God due to us, Jesus said, I'll take it on my shoulders. He did that for you. He did that for me. That's love. That is a God who is invested and who cares about you. So Jesus died for our sins, but guess what? He didn't stay in the tomb. He walked out of the grave. God accepted that sacrifice. You receive him by faith. Forgive me for my sins. I believe all of this is true. Save me from an eternity separated from you. Oh, God, restore peace between me and you. I want to go to heaven. I want to be with you, Jesus, when I die. I want to be assured of that. Would you forgive me and come into my life? That's all you need to do is to sincerely pray that prayer. Maybe you need to pull off to the side of the road here today and do business with God and pray that prayer. Maybe you've never really understood the gospel until this very moment, and the Holy Spirit is saying, this is your moment. This is the day of salvation for you. You don't need to be afraid of where you're going when you die. You can settle this right now. Don't worry about the words. Confess your sins. Come to the Lord. Invite him into your life as Lord and Savior. And I'll tell you what, if that's you, we would love to pray with and for you. And we would love to send you some information that will help you take your next steps. We want to always be here for you, doing whatever we can. There is nothing that we are doing today that's more important than this moment right now. If that's you, would you text a word to the Curtain Kate hotline so we can send out some further information to help you as you've made this decision. 
We've changed our keyword. Producer Mark, I believe it's saved now, isn't it? It is saved. S-A-V-E-D. Is that you? We can see you pop up here. You can include your name if, uh, you know, if, well, I guess not really, because then that won't work with the keywords. But that's okay. Don't worry about it. I want to pray. We want to pray for each and every one of you guys who texts in. And for those that are not texting in, Lord, please, please be with them. Watch over them. And we praise you and thank you for touching them today. Lord, save some more. But if you can text us, we'll send you back some information and you're taking your next steps. Just text the word SAVED right now. The Lord's calling you, maybe. SAVED to 888-777-6810. SAVED to 888-777-6810.